If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Getting your team up to date on the latest skills required for success is hard work, but you don't have to worry about it anymore. Jolt is an online training platform that helps professionals and organizations access up-to-date training from practitioners at the top of their game. No more watching e-learning videos that are not interactive and may contain obsolete information where you access them. Each Jolt training is done live via interactive Skype or webinar and the trainers are both practitioners and thought leaders in your field. So you get the latest information that can change your business at the right time. Visit jolt.us and find out how you can start getting the right training for your team today. That's www.jolt.us. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Ty Crandall. Ty is the founder and CEO of Credit Suite. It's a leading consumer finance company that helps businesses and entrepreneurs learn more about how to apply business credit in their businesses. Ty started out his career in the United States Air Force and then he transitioned into mortgage finance and credit repair. Along the way, he realized that many people were not talking about business credit or actually applying business credit to their businesses. And so he became the, well, initially it's unofficial, but I think now Ty is more like the official champion of business credit for small businesses and entrepreneurs. He's also a best-selling author and a frequently sought-out international speaker on the topic of consumer finance, business credit, and just finance and economics in general. So I'm pleased to have him here on the show to talk to us a little bit about this little-known part of finance. So Ty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. So Ty, as I mentioned earlier, you are a former serviceman who's now in business big time. So for people that don't know anything about you, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and basically how you got to where you are today. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in a small town in Indiana with about uh, 9,000 people as a population. So I think, you know, as most kids do growing up in uh, where they're from or especially in a small town, you kind of want to get out of there. So I went in the military to get as far away as possible, and they literally stationed me an hour and 50 minutes from my home in Ohio. Uh, so that plan didn't work out really well, but I still really enjoyed my time in the service. And when I got out, I you know, jumped into financial services and sales. And I've been in financial services really ever since. I spent some time in the auto industry. I spent some time in the marketing industry. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the mortgage industry. And then we also uh, opened a consumer credit repair company that I sold many years ago. And along the way, I learned a lot about business credit. And it was astonishing. You know, I'd spent 10, 12 years in financial services. And when I first learned that a company had its own credit profile and score, even as a startup, and that, you know, businesses could obtain large amounts of credit that's linked to their business EIN and not their personal social, uh, this was something I hadn't even heard of before. And I knew the average person hadn't either. So um, it really touched me in a special place because, 
you know, when I owned my mortgage company, I built it, it was successful, then it failed when the whole industry collapsed. And I personally guaranteed a lot of things in my business and it almost pushed me to personal bankruptcy. So when I realized there was another alternative, I really became passionate about that. And, you know, in the last six years since, I've just been telling everybody uh, who will lend me their ear about what business credit is, how it works. And that's, that's what I'm really passionate about. Great, great. So you mentioned a bunch of things here, and I just want to pull them just one by one before we go on. And you talked about being in the service and not necessarily liking that structure in the Air Force. So what what was it that was so, um, what I say, unappealing to you that made you decide that, you know, I'm not going to stay and put the rest of my life in you know, I uh, the, the the military. I love the military. I'm a huge fan of what the military does. And you know, I, I was in the medical uh, medical field in the military, and I worked in intensive care, and I actually recovered open heart surgery patients. So it was an amazing opportunity. Mm. You know, I I got to be in uh, open heart surgeries and have you know surgeons explain to me what they were doing every step of the way. Uh, they let me go into any surgery I wanted to, so I would work all night, and then I would get off, and I would just be in surgeries all day from surgery to surgery um, seeing all kinds of things so as a 20 year old getting to you know literally sit through hundreds of surgeries and see everything I got to see it's an amazing experience that you cannot get any other way than being in the military I love that and I loved a lot of things if my kids approached me today and said they wanted to go in or when they're old enough um, I would have no problem with it I loved it uh, at the same time, you know, the military is, is very interesting. It's very structured, which I'm okay with structure, but the way that it works is they inevitably promote everybody, you mm -hmm. know, so you've got somebody, there's something called time in service and you have to test for rank. Well, the better, the more time you've been in, the more time in service you have, the lower you have to score on the test to, to move up to rank. So eventually, even the people that fail the test you know, 20 times still eventually move up because their time in service is so long that their test scores can be so low and still get, you know, get promoted. Mm. So the structure I'm good with, but it creates an environment I found where I had leaders above me that really weren't really good leaders, but the way the military structured, those people inevitably almost always get promoted to leadership positions and you're expected to follow. So that just didn't work well for me. And when I went in the military, I, I, I only I made a commitment to myself that I was only going to be in for one term. Um, I wanted to do the, the duty to my country. It was just something that was important to me. My dad was in the army. It was important to me, um, even though my parents weren't fond of me going in. So there was a lot of reasons I I went in and I also made a commitment that I would come out after four years. And as hard as it was, I kind of wanted to stay in. Uh, I, I felt fulfilled my commitment. I came out after four years and, and moved on to my life. But definitely an awesome experience I'd recommend for anybody. Oh, nice. Great. Great. I didn't, I didn't know that the longer you spent, you know, the easier it is basically for you to move up. Because in the corporate world, you don't see people saying, oh, just because Johnny spent 35 years on the job means we should promote him to CEO. It's um, more meritoc meritocratic. So I was expecting that in the army to probably be the same way, but that's very useful piece of information. And then you left that and you went into the mortgage industry. I'm sure this was around the time of the uh, what, early 2000s when things were going great up until the financial crisis happened, correct? 
Well, I got out of the military in, in 90, uh, 98, and I actually jumped into like the, the marketing and auto segment. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of traveling during that time, and I did um, – I went into you know auto dealerships, and I took over their finance division for a certain period of time and proved a lot of different areas in their finance division and then moved on to another city. And, and it was really a, an exciting thing to do during my early 20s. I enjoyed that quite a bit. But as I started to get into my late 20s, I really just wanted to settle down. I was kind of done with the traveling, knew I wanted to start a family. And so I got off the road. Several of my friends were in mortgages at that time. And I liked the appeal of mortgages. I was around them all the time. I heard their phone calls. I saw you know, what, what was involved. And so I got out and jumped in probably, yeah, early 2000s ended the mortgage industry. And that, I just did really, really well there. It was a natural fit for me. Um, you know, we had an office of like 12 guys, the 11 guys combined did less volume than I did. I mean, I just crushed it. I did really well. And then eventually went out and started my own mortgage company, which went really well for years until, you know, that, that horrible crash of the industry where we just couldn't get loans done anymore. Mm. And even then I could have probably stuck through it, but it wasn't for me. You know, I, I was doing million, two million, five million dollar mortgages and to go start back over doing fifty and seventy thousand dollar loans and waiting nine, twelve months to get them closed. It just what I liked about what I did went away when the industry changed. And I just I wasn't gonna be happy staying there and I knew that, which is where I where I uh, made the jump into consumer credit. Oh, okay. So in in the consumer credit space, was that where you started the business and then you now put your personal guarantee and got nearly bankrupt? Well, I did that in the mortgage industry. You know, the mortgage oh. industry company was going really well. And so I was getting credit cards and getting credit lines for the business and giving a personal guarantee. And I didn't know any better. And to be honest with you, even if I would have known better at the time, I didn't think there was any chance of failure because we were doing so well. Yeah. Uh, and then when that went, you know, when that when the industry changed, that almost pushed me to the edge. And then what happened was we unfortunately started to default on some of our business obligations. And the people we owned on the business side or owed came in and literally took the money from our consumer. So we would put money in the bank account. They would come and take the money out of the bank account on the consumer side. So what had happened years before in the business, in my mortgage business, was carrying over my personal life. And they were just wiping out any – they wiped out every asset we had on the consumer side. And that was when I really learned the hard lesson about personal guarantees. But I didn't really know there was another option Mm -hmm. until I – continued to build this consumer credit business. And, you know, consumer credit's interesting. The credit bureaus do a pretty good job of convincing people there's not much you can do to fix your consumer credit. Mm. And, you know, so we did a really good job of of doing what we did, but a lot of customers would come in and not think we could do what we did. So when they would see the results we would get, a lot of them owned businesses and would ask us about the building of business credit, and we didn't know much about it. So we, we kind of blew a lot of people off and said, you know, you know, you don't want that and we can't help you and we're not their source. And then that's when eventually enough people asked that I really started to research and figure out more of what business credit was and, and basically how it worked. In the consumer credit space, I, I mean, I do understand that, you know, once your credit score gets dinged to a certain amount, it becomes almost impossible to get any decent rates on any any type of financial transaction, whether it's a car payment or a house or anything of the sort. But being able to go through what you went through 
repair your credit, come back, and then start this business in this other side that is, um, would I say, the alter ego of the, the personal space. What were some of the lessons you learned, A, repairing your credit and then telling people how to repair theirs before we now get started into the business credit? Well, I think there's a lot of things I learned business-wise, you know, and I think that's probably what your listeners would care about most. Mm. Um, you know, when it comes to the consumer credit side, the one thing that everybody needs to know is that, you know, you should dispute any inaccuracies on a credit report or any accounts that are derogatory because, you know, everything on your credit report has to be 100% accurate, verifiable, or the law says it can't be there. And even though you might have an account you went late on, it doesn't mean the account's being reported exactly as it's supposed to be reporting. And we saw a lot of manipulation on accounts where it hurt people's score more than it should have, and the person never did anything about it because they thought, well, I really went late on that account. So what everybody should know is if you have any kind of consumer credit issues, get with a credit repair company or on your own, start disputing every asset aspect out of the account just to make sure it's accurate and verifiable as it's supposed to be by uh, by law. Um, when it comes to other lessons, I learned a lot of things. You know, one of the things I learned is that, you know, so much of what we do in business is completely out of our control. We try to would like to think we're in control of what's going on, but the reality is there's so many other factors, whether it be, you know, economics or seasons or so many other outside factors that affect how much business you'll do and, and can also adversely affect your ability to do business. So that's one of the things I learned is that is no matter how in control you feel as a business owner, you can never really fool yourself. You're really out of control. There's just too many other factors that could adversely affect you that you've got to be prepared. You've got to financially have you know the backing you need to be able to su succeed and grow. If not, so many uh, things can wipe you out. You're so susceptible um, to failure. You know, so I learned that, and, and I also learned the importance of the proper marketing. You know, in the business, in the mortgage business, it was so easy to get customers because at that time, everybody wanted a mortgage and they were easy to get. But when I got into credit repair, it was very difficult to get customers and, 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 and to also, you know, educate them that our services worked. So that's when I really got into email marketing and sales funnels. And I really understood the value of, you know, marketing in a way where you deliver information and teach and educate people about what you do. And then by them absorbing your education, then the more you teach them, the more credible you are, the more integrity that you, that you have or they see, the more they trust you and like you and, and, and the more rapport is built and the easier a sale is to make. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the best le lessons I learned in credit repair was, you know, I was always used to chasing customers and trying to tell them why they should do business with me. But when I started educating them and teaching them about how consumer credit worked and credit scores and why credit report worked and all, et cetera, et cetera, well, then they came to me and they wanted to do business with me because they saw me as a credible expert. They knew I had the knowledge. I taught them more about credit than they'd ever known or been taught their entire life. There was trust built, credibility was there, rapport was there, and then all of a sudden people would come to us and want to do business with us. There wouldn't be much of a sale involved. So 
that was something really big that I learned along the line. And I also learned that you don't have to fund your own business using your own money. You know, personal credit cards weren't designed to do that to begin with. That's what business credit's for. There's a, a lot of business funding options that are available for people, even as startups that they just don't know. And you can bootstrap a business and do it with your own money. But when you access other people's money and when you build credit for your business EIN that's not linked to your social, it gives you the capital you need to get past those you know, challenging and turbulent times along the way, but it also gives you the money to fuel the business and grow it even faster. And that's, that's what they all do, right? I mean, every one of the biggest publicly and privately owned companies uses other people's money to grow as big as they are. And as business owners, that's a decision we have to make. Do we want to you know, put our own money in to try to grow at a smaller pace or use other people's money and the credits available to us to grow at a faster pace? Well, everybody should know you have that choice. It's just a matter of you have to know the right places to go to look for capital, start building your business credit, et cetera, um, so you've got that money to carry you through. And how can like a startup start building business credit? Because you just mentioned that you can bootstrap a startup, and most people would either start off with you know friends and family cash or the personal credit cards. You're right. I mean, statistically, 75% of people do just what you described. You know, 75% of use the other people use family, friends, money, or their own money or credit cards to fund their business, um, because it's it's what we think is the only option. Mm -hmm. But the, what's important to note is that you know when you turn eight, you have a social security number from birth, and when you turn 18, you have the ability to start obtaining credit under that social security number um, on your own. Right? A lot of people don't realize that. My my kids are six and eight. My kids have credit reports now because my wife and I add them as authorized users to our credit cards. So we, my, my kids have 700 plus credit scores at six and eight. A lot of people don't know you can do that. Um, but in the business world, the minute you get an EIN from inception, the minute you set up your entity and you get an EIN issued to you, you can then build a credit profile and score under that EIN. Not that much differently than you did in the consumer world. In the consumer world, most people don't have any credit. They turn 18, they get small secure credit cards, small limit credit cards. Somebody co-signs for them like my dad did for me, mm -hmm. and that's how you build initial credit. Um, and again, I didn't want my kids to have that struggle, which is why Adam is authorized user, so their credit's good at that point where they don't need co-signers. But that's how most people do it. In the business credit world, you know, you can come in and use your EIN and get secure credit cards or what are called trade vendors, get credit with trade vendors, and that reports to your business credit reporting agencies, which is done in Bradstreet, Equifax, and Experian Commercial. And once this credit starts to get reported, you then establish establish your own credit report, your own credit score with the business credit reporting agencies for your business. And the more credit you get under your business, the more credit then becomes available for you. So for a startup, the way to really get started is to start, you know, first set up your business credibly. Make sure you have a business address and a business phone and a website and an email address and that you've got your entity set up and that you're, you're, you've got some your business listed some places online like Bing and Google and Yahoo. And once you set up that business credibly, then you can walk into places like Uline and Quill 
and Granger and Gimplers, places that will give you credit even if you have none. They will not require a personal credit check or even ask you for a social security number in a lot of cases. And they'll give you credit under your business EIN. And if you pay that credit as back as agreed, they report it to the business credit reporting agencies. That gives you some initial trade lines, good scores. And then as you get more and more accounts, you can start applying for more and more credit under your business EIN number. Hmm. And looking at it from that perspective now, does that mean that the business credit will come in from credit cards or lines of credit from a bank? Well, typically, you, both become available. Okay. But you know, credit credit cards are easier. Any money at a bank, it's going to incorporate more things. So if you go to get a Staples, an Apple, a Costco, a, a BP, a Sears, a Chevron, a Dell, you know, account, you know, accounts at most major retail stores, then, you know, credit cards are credit cards. You, you and I are used to how credit cards work. We go find one we want online. We apply. We're rendered an immediate decision. We even usually know our limit immediately. And then they send us the card in the mail. It's a very easy process. If you go in to get a, a line of credit from your bank, you go in, there's a lot more involved. They want income documentation at that point. They want to look at other things, including your, you know, <clears throat> your financial history, basically. It's no different in the business space than it is in the consumer space. So you want to start by getting those automated approvals by going in and getting, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 individual limits. Uh, on credit cards with most major retail stores. You can do that regardless of your financial situation. You don't need tax returns, bank statements, any of those things to get approved for cards. And, you know, there, there are limits high enough where you could do just about anything you want to do with the business. So, for example, if you're trying to build a consulting business and, you know, you get an office, you, you need furniture and you need office, you know, desks and you need trash cans and computers and office supplies. All of that you could buy at places like Staples and Office Depot and Walmart and Amazon and Costco and Sam's Club, and you could get business credit at all those places automatically uh, just by getting some of those trade lines like you would line and Quill, paying those as agreed, building that initial credit profile and score, and then using that established credit profile and score to go get credit at Dell and Apple and Ikea and you know Amazon and Walmart and all those places. Then as you start to get about 10 or 15 accounts – then Visa cards become available, MasterCards, American Express cards. Those are cards you could use for anywhere, right? Those are cards you could use to pay the lease on the building that you're getting and you know, to even get cash out to pay payroll and stuff like that. So you, know, you usually want to start with store credit cards. Then you start moving into Visa cards and MasterCards that you can use anywhere that you can even get cash out on. And then as you get more trade lines and you get more established in your business – it becomes easier to get credit lines and loans at your bank, but usually to take that step, they're still going to want tax returns. They're still going to want bank statements. Your financial situation at that point has to be good to make, take that step, but that doesn't mean that you still can't get the 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 individual limit credit cards without needing any of that financial data. Okay. And now once since we're using the example of a startup, if a startup st starts out using business credits to get themselves going and they now find themselves in either a pre-season, I beg your pardon, Series A round, for example, where outside investors are coming in to look at their books and they see 
you know, there's a bunch of leverage on their balance sheet. How is that going to play out? Well, when it comes to what? When it comes to venture capital or yeah. when they're coming? When well, it... look, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You're on the right track. I mean, look, a lot of people aren't going to get to that point. I mean, okay. you know, in order to get to a venture capital stage, realistically, you you have to have something that's fairly unique. You know, you have to have something that nobody else has that, that's very unique. You have to have a good reputation as a business owner, experience, knowledge. Uh, there's just not a lot of people, if you really look at it, that, that are really securing that VC money. Mm -hmm. um, but – if you are securing VC money, look, the fact that you have an established credit profile and score for your business makes you look better, not worse, right? I mean, and I've seen this on The Profit. The Profit's one of the most mo most watched TV shows by entrepreneurs. And yeah. I remember one time, you know, where Marcus was on there and he said, man, you know, this guy's telling me some sketchy stuff that doesn't add up. And he went overnight and pulled the guy's business credit report and came in the next day and confronted him about what it was on his business credit report. Well, Marcus is VC, right? He, he's no different. He's one of these mm -hmm. guys that comes in and puts money into a business, right? He's an equity investor. He wants equity in exchange for, for money. So these guys look at this too. I mean, what, what people don't know about your business credit reports is that anybody can see them. It's not like consumer credit where I have to have your permission to pull your report. Oh, really? In the business – yeah, I mean anybody – as a matter of fact, if if you go to Dun & Bradstreet's website and look at their credit monitoring, the first package they'll offer you is to monitor your own business credit. The second package they offer you is to get credit reports on other companies. Very easy and very cheap to be able to get credit reports on other companies, and so it's so easy and cheap that venture capitalists, people that are getting money into your business, they're going to pull your reports. They want to see what's on there, and if they see that you've got positive payment histories, good scores, you've got a bunch of different trade lines that are paid as agreed, that's a positive thing. Not the fact that you have a bunch of debt on on your books. It looks good that you've managed your your credit responsibly. They can see that you're financially savvy versus somebody that's trying to get VC and has no kind of corporate credit history established. That's nice. And then the next biggest example why I see people using a lot of leverage is in the real estate industry. <sighs> Well, real estate investors and real estate agents, those two industries account for the top two of the top three industries that we help. And the reason for that is, is because, and if we look at the, a lot of the other top industries we help, you know, it's people that already know they're not going to get a bank loan. I mean, look, if you can get a bank loan, we can help you with that, but you're better off to go into your bank and get it because they know your relationship. But for the other, you know, 99% of us that that's the statistic. You know, the Department of Revenue reported that, you know, the last statistic I saw on this is 98.2% of business loans come from alternative and alternative lenders. So, you know, less than 2% of business loans even come from the banks because most of us don't qualify. Um, but, you know, in those situations, somebody can still come in and they can still get business credit. You know, they don't have to actually qualify for money at their bank. So if you can get money at your bank, great, go for it, do it. But if you can't get money at your bank, you know, things like business credit really start to make a lot of sense because business credit you can secure even when you can't get money at your bank. Um, and again, 
your bank is going to look at a bunch of different things, whereas business credit aren't going to look at a bunch of different things. So anybody can see your business credit reports. It's easily accessible. People that are in venture capital or any potential investors or partners you're going to take on, any of these people that have any sense about them are pulling your business credit report before they even make a decision to do business with you. And what are some of the things that get factored into building a great business credit score? Well, primarily it's payment history. Okay. So when you look at Dun and Bradstreet and Equifax, your scores are 100% based on how you pay your bill. If you pay your bill on time, you get an 80 score with Dun and Bradstreet. If you pay it late, how late did you pay? Are you paying 14 days late? Well, you get a 70 score. Are you paying 120 days late? Well, you get a 20 score. So this is one of the benefits of business credit. When we look at consumer FICO scoring, we're looking at a credit mix. We're looking at new credit. We're looking at the length of credit that you have, the utilization, your payment history. There's so many factors that it usually takes many years of well-disciplined borrowing to get good consumer scores. But with business credit, it's much different. Your scores are primarily based on how you pay. So that way, all you have to do is get some of those accounts like Uline and Quill we talked about, pay your bill on time or early, and that one thing alone is what will net you a good Great. And uh, when you started Credit Suite, I noticed on your website that you guys put out a lot of content in terms of educational material. You're active on Facebook. I watched the Facebook Live with you there earlier today. Why did you decide to go 100% all in in content marketing the way you guys are doing? Well, you know, like I said, I, I, I call this uh, my fit theory, and it's, it's a free information theory, and I learned this in the credit repair business. You know, when I look at what I did in the mortgage business, I advertised – in, in uh, publications, pretty much every real estate publication in Florida, including the DuPont registry I was in, full page ads. People called in, you did business with me or you didn't. I never followed up. I never sent you information. I never gave you anything. The, the leads kept pouring in, and that's all I cared about was the next call that came in. Then I moved to credit repair, and it changed everything for me because it, it no longer was easy. You know, advertising didn't work as much because people didn't really believe a lot of what I did, or um, there wasn't enough confidence there for them uh, to call in. It was just, it was a different battle when people did call. They had all the skepticism. They didn't think what we did even worked. So I remember at that time, kind of getting frustrated and saying, you know, I'm going to show you. I'll teach you how this works. And we, I started to write emails about how the Consumer Credit Score worked and, and how the Fair Credit Reporting Act worked and the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and started educating people about the laws that protected them. And, and it was interesting because in about six months later, our phone really started to ring at a level that it never had. And people would always start the call this way. I get your emails. And then they would go on. They would ask us one or two questions, and they would tell us they were ready to buy. Well, that was weird for us. We went from fighting a battle every time we got on the phone call with somebody to now they came in with one or two simple questions and ready to buy. And I quickly realized that this free information theory is very effective where you teach and educate people people how to do what you do. And in doing so, first of all, they understand that you become the credible expert in their mind. So a simple example is if you're going to choose a real estate agent, you got a choice. You could choose the guy that's on the park bench that you see
see driving by or the guy that's on the bus or the guy that's on the billboard? Or are you going to go with the guy that you talk to on the phone that now sends you regular emails and he's teaching you how to buy a home? He's teaching you how to find the right home, how to use the MLS. He's teaching you how to find the right real estate agent, mortgage broker, what you need to know that can get you disqualified for a mortgage. If you're interested in buying a home, the guy that teaches you everything that there is to know about buying a home is the guy that you immediately trust. Mm -hmm. You want to do business with that guy, right? Because you know that guy knows his stuff. He taught you all kinds of stuff you didn't know. He did so willfully without even asking you to buy anything. He, You could see he's doing what he's doing in your best interest. And in doing so, credibility is built. Trust is there. Rapport is there. And you've converted it where now you don't have to convince that customer why they want should do business with you. They already know that. The minute they get you on the phone, they go, oh, dude. Ty, how are, how are you, man? It's good to talk to you. I get your emails all the time, and they're appreciative of what you've done for them. So I learned that in credit repair, and, and we do that as a company and believe strongly in that. And we put out a lot of education that teach people how to build their business credit, and there's two types of people. Well, there's three types. There's people that will use it and will never hear from. There's people that use it, become loyal followers. And then not only are they loyal followers, but they're also in there telling everybody they know how awesome we are. And there's other people that say, you guys know what you're doing. I'd rather just pay you and shortcut the process and work with experts than try to do this on my own. And so that strategy works really well for us. And I think more businesses should adapt that strategy where they put free content, teach and educate as much as possible. Then they build a loyal following and tribe of people that want to do business with them and that tell everybody around them about them. Um, and, and, and I think it's effective. And I see that even on our Facebook ads. When we run Facebook ads, it's amazing how many comments that I see of people that respond to go, hey, you know, X person's name. Um, this is these are the guys I was telling you about. I saw their YouTube channel. You know, so many people are, are sharing that post saying these are the people I told you about. They're teaching all this information about business credit. That's how you really get things to go viral. That's how you create that virality and how you create a local tribe and following is to teach, educate, to put the customer's best interest first. Even if they choose not to do business with you, help them along the way. Help them get what they want to get, and then you're going to grow your business that much faster. And in terms of your leadership style, how did you assemble your team that's working with you and doing all this amazing stuff in your company? Well, hiring is very important. And, and you know, I accidentally uh, we I was accidentally part of creating our culture. And it's a really awesome culture that now, you know, I, I'm conscious of what we have. And now I, I strive to protect it. Um, I, it wasn't that way in the beginning. You know, now I consciously have read books and understand how to hire A players and how to keep our culture intact. I hire people based on if they're a good cultural fit above everything else. Um, but in the beginning, it, it really came down to, you know, people that had experience. You know, I was really positioned pretty well. We got into the business credit space. We weren't doing the servicing in the beginning. And then one of the bigger companies that was out in the space went bankrupt and they were the one doing the servicing. So we immediately found ourselves in a place where we had to learn how to, you know, do all the advising and servicing on our own, or we were going to go out of business. And that bigger company going under, a lot of their team members had years and years and years of corporate credit experience. They knew how to do what 
we did, and they came to us looking for jobs. So our positioning was good to adopt some of our initial people that came in, um, and then from there, you know, we just. You know, we, we just have a good culture. I think the people that I naturally have in my circle and Megan, my COO, who really started building our servicing side, the people she had in her circle, these are just really good people. You know, I'm a military guy. I hang out with people that are loyal and have integrity and have honor. So, you know, those people weren't hard to find to bring into the business in the beginning. And the same for her. We brought in people we knew. We brought in our friends. We brought in people that were in our circle. And we're both so moral and ethical and so, you know, do what's right for other people that we naturally attracted a lot of people that had those same beliefs. And that's how it started. And then once we realized how valuable that was, now we'll do anything in the world to protect it. If you if you're a team member and you violate that and you're not a good fit for our culture, we have to let you go. If we recognize you're not a good fit for the culture before we hire you, even if you have more experience than anybody else in our company, we won't hire you. So that's how we got to where we are and how we protect the culture that we now have. We're looking at the future outlook of your industry and your space what what are some trends you're seeing what what are some things that are coming down the pike that you think would be useful for listeners especially everyone trying to start and build a business to know about well, I think there's a lot of things. I think the first thing you have to recognize is you're going to fail. Your business isn't going to fail, but you're going to make mistakes and that's part of the process. Um you know when 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 the company that we dealt with that handled our servicing went bankrupt you know, the, 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 the interesting thing is I'll never forget going to my wife and explaining what happened. And I was laughing. Like, You're never going to believe this. Uh, this company that handles their servicing went bankrupt and like this is all happening. And she's like, are you crazy? Like why are you laughing about this? This could be devastating to our family. And I said, you know, I've learned in life that you have to have things really go past this barrier where they get really bad before they get really good. You have to mm. almost have your back against the wall before you fight at a level that you wouldn't fight unless your back is against the wall. Mm. And I've realized that and and really especially in the recent months, I've really realized what happens that we're taught that we put good stuff out in the universe and we tell the universe this is what we really want to have. But then we're also comfortable and we don't like change. And so it's kind of like we tell the universe, give us these opportunities and the universe kind of starts to give us these opportunities. And then we kind of tell the universe, no, thank you. I don't want that opportunity because I'm kind of chilling here and comfortable where I am. And then eventually the universe will just smack you upside the head and force it down your throat and say, mm -hmm. okay, you're not going to change. I'll change it for you. And that's when catastrophe happens. And all of a sudden, we're in a really bad place. But if you really think about the logical path, it's because we kind of told the universe we wanted this and we passed on the opportunities and then it was forced upon us. So I think the key is that if you really believe in yourself, you have to know that opportunities are going to present themselves. And you know, you're either going to willfully take those opportunities, recognize what they are, move forward, jump on them. Or be comfortable and be stuck where you are. And if that's the case, you're kind of going to forcefully be pushed out of that comfort zone to a point where you have to move forward. Um, you just have to recognize those things for what they are. You just have to understand that you're going to have challenges. You're going to have problems. And for me, the biggest successes have 100% always come at the tail end of the biggest failures. The most catastrophic events have always led to the best. So – 
that that's what's important you know is is you've got to actually be able to move forward you you have to know that you're going to run into problems issues you have to have the the gumption you have to have the drive to push forward and always keep the ball moving down the field always keep moving forward always keep positive no matter what negatives you may be up against that's important the other thing i've learned is that you know, like I said, free information is important. If you really want to grow a business, stop selling to people and start helping people. If you help enough people get what they want, you're going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure who said that, but it's very true. Yeah. It's you have to recognize in my world, I'm very passionate about business credit. So what I want to do is teach everybody I can through podcasts, through radio, through Facebook and live streams. I want to teach everybody how this works. And just by doing that, people recognize the kind of character I have and want to do business with me and our company. That's what you really have to do to be successful. You, you can stop selling and get them to start coming to you, begging you to buy. It's just a matter of finding out what you're passionate about and teach and educate and inform and help others get it. And then sure, offer them a paid solution as well. Some will buy, some will do it on their own and become your best testimonials. But whatever the case, you're going to build a very loyal following that will help you really build a very successful business quickly. You mentioned something as you were giving the explanation. I just want to find out. So what was the biggest failure you've ever experienced? I think we talked about it earlier in the show, but the one key lesson you learned from that very big failure. Oh, man. I mean, you know, it, it, it's hard to say how many you know things I've learned from from <laughs> one big failure, right? Yeah, because there, there, there's so many times I fail. I fail more than I think I've, I've succeeded. Mm. Um, but but that is one of the biggest lessons is that don't take failure as failure. Mm -hmm. you, you have to really recognize it as, a, as an opportunity, a prompt to move forward. I think that that's important of each individual thing. I think what you learn is important, you know, and and it's funny because one of my closest friends, the best man at my wedding, um, he is the exact opposite of me. Like I'm a glass half full. He's like glass half empty. Like I I believe in, and, you know, I remember having a conversation with him and he said, you know, my car broke down and, you know, these bad things, you know, bad things just happen to me. And I said, well, it's not the bad things that's happened to you. You have a 12-year-old car that has 150,000 miles. Like you kind of have to expect that, you know, that's going to happen. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I am is I think that, you know, you have to look at things that happen and you always have to walk away with what lesson you can learn. What would you do differently? That's what it is. What could you have done to prevent the event from happening? So in his example, look, this didn't have to happen. You could have traded this car in well before knowing that you drive for a living and that you're putting this many miles and you have a greater chance for breakdown. You can't ex have a breakdown and be like flabbergasted and not have expected this to happen. So you have to look at any event that's negative and look at it and say, what did I learn here? What did I learn? What can I apply as I move forward? What could I have done differently? You have to take accountability. Um, Jocko Willick has a great book um, uh, about just this, about accountability. Ex and you Extreme know, ownership, correct? Extre extreme ownership, right. Have you, have you read Extreme Ownership? Yes, I love the book. It's an amazing book, and I was very blessed last year to be at a mastermind where Jocko spent the whole day with us. He talked, and he was one of the best presenters I've ever seen. Um, 
this was easy for me but not as easy for a lot of people because it's just kind of how I built myself. But you have to be extremely accountable for what you do. You know, If an employee steals all your money and takes off, they're not the bad guy. You did things and you missed signs that you should have seen to let that happen. And you can't be mad that that employee did that thing. You have to come in and go, what could I have done to prevent this? What could have safeguards? I need a camera here. I need this. I need better accounting for the cash that we have in the drawer. You know, I could have done this. I saw these signs. Now I get it. I didn't understand what the signs were there. So that's what this is really, really, really about is you have to look at everything that happens and say, what did I learn? What will I do different moving forward? What did I do wrong that I could have done different and got a different result? No matter what the situation is, no matter how much you really think you're not accountable for the event, you have to look at it that way because there's always things you could do different and better. And if you take that as a lesson and move on, well, then you're never going to probably have that problem again. You know, and that's the way I look at it is I told my wife with the mortgage crash, I said, you know, I'm really glad that this happened because I've learned a lot that will help me do better business. And it happened before we had kids. So my kids, our kids weren't affected adversely by this. And that's the kind of attitude you have to have, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad things that are that happen to you that are out of your control, you have to take ownership. You have to take accountability. You have to recognize things you could do differently moving forward. If you do that, you're not going to have those problems again. And quite honestly, you're one step ahead of the other guy that hasn't learned that lesson. So. As we start to transition towards the end of the show, um, I just want to ask you a couple of wrapping up questions. So what gets you fired up in the morning? Well, I'd love to do what I do, you know, and, and I have this rule where I, I don't think about work as I go to bed because then all I do is think and dream about work. But it's hard because I want to think about work until I absolutely go to sleep. And when I wake up, the first thing I start doing is thinking about the cool things I get to do that day. Um, there, there's this thing about, you know, doing what you're passionate about that I think has become almost cliche. But those of us that are blessed enough to really do what we're passionate about, it's an amazing experience. I want to work all the time. I love what I do. And the only time I'm not working is when I'm spending time with my family, which I love even more. But when I have free time, I love focusing on growing the business because I love what I do. So the business itself gets me really fired up in the morning. But I think that you have to have a whole, you know, life approach. You know, I eat healthy, I exercise, I meditate, I do yoga, I work out every day. And those things are very part important part of my routine. They're what makes me healthy enough and have the energy that I have to be able to do what I'm passionate about with taking care of my family and growing my business. So I think that stuff is important, but I think doing what you really love to do is important. And if you haven't figured that out yet, that's okay. Okay, keep you know stepping up and doing as much as you can until you found out what, what what really motivates you, what really drives you. If you were to start all over again, what would you do differently? You know, it's interesting because I try not to think about that a lot. You know, I mean, ultimately, I think that the mistakes that I've made in the past are what got me to where I am. And when I really think back of if those mistakes wouldn't have happened where I would be, I probably wouldn't be at the same place. So I, I almost have to welcome those mistakes um, to really want to grow. So the answer is, you know, not not much. I, I probably wouldn't. As painful as it was to lose everything and 
you know, not being able to pay my electric bill and watching my bank account have a negative balance because all the money was taken out. You know, a, a lot of those things led me to where I am. If I would have personally guaranteed everything then, I never would have got into what I'm passionate about now because I would have known better. You know, so there's not a lot of my life I would have changed. There's a ton of mistakes I've made, a ton of them. And I'm so gracious and grateful for every one of those mistakes I had an opportunity to make because it's what helped me find the success on the other end. And, you know, this is the interesting thing about having kids, right? Is that you want your kids to have everything that you had, but you not having those things is what made you who you are, yeah. you know? So. It's 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 an interesting thing. So in my life, um, I don't think I would have changed much, if anything at all. I think I still would have done and gone through even the most painful times of my life to get me to where I am, even though, of course, I'd love to think back and say I would just cut this out and this out and I wouldn't have had that pain. But if I wouldn't have had that pain, it wouldn't have led me to the point that I am. So probably not a lot of stuff I actually would have changed in my life. I know you've mentioned um, extreme ownership, but what other books, uh, courses, programs have helped you become a better entrepreneur that you can recommend to the audience? There's a great book I think by Brian Tracy called The Power of Positive Thinking, and I, I really that's that's an amazing book, one of the best books I think I've ever read. Um, there's another really great one by I think Charles Duhigg is how I pronounce his name called The Power of Habit, yeah. and that that's a powerful book too. I mean, it really teaches you how habits work so you can formulate positive habits and remove negative habits. And that was really meaningful to me. Um, one of the other most important books is one I've just recently read that's really changed my life forever, and it's called Confessions of the Pricing Man. And this is about profit. It's about how you price products. I think as business owners, we we kind of guess entirely how we price things with no science behind it. But there's a lot of science behind it, and that book really has changed my life because it's not a matter of pricing. It's a matter of understanding profitability, understanding what your cost truly are understanding how sales what sales and discounting really does to adversely affect your business um, I mean it took me a month to just implement everything I've learned from that book and I still have another month to finish what I'm doing so that's that was something I was really it was awesome to have, have read last month and it, it'll be a, a real game changer for my life as well question of the day for people that are thinking of starting a new business or young grads that are mm -hmm. kind of unsure of what the future holds in terms of getting a job or starting a startup. What's your advice to those people that are at a crossroad of career change in their lives? If you're thinking about starting a business, my advice is don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Look, the, the reality is is that running a business requires easily five to ten times more time and commitment than a job does. It's just the way that it is. I got into business so I could go to my kids' sporting events. I wanted to be there for my kids because my parents worked all the time and weren't able to be there for me. And I so appreciate their commitment to, to help me get to where I am. Um, and you know, and I have that luxury. I go to my kids' sporting events. I go to their plays. I do those things. But I work all the time. But I work all the time because I love to work. You know, and I said that to my son uh, two days ago when I left. I said, "I'm out of here. I'm going to fun." He goes, "What do you mean you're going to fun?" I go, "Ah, it's work." 
He said, well, what do you call fun? I said, because I love it. You know, and that is literally how I am in my life. And what my kids see is I love what I do. And of course, my time with them takes priority. But you have to, if you find something you're really passionate about, you have to understand owning a business is not easy. It, it takes your time. It takes your energy. It takes your money. It takes your commitment. And so for you to be willing to hand all of that over, you have to really be passionate about what you're doing. And I think that that's important. You know, if, if you have obstacles that you can't seem to overcome to get into business, you probably shouldn't get into business because all business is is overcoming obstacles and exceeding and prevailing and failing and succeeding and prevailing. And so – you know, it, it's a rocky road. You have to expect that. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your energy. It's going to take your money. Uh, and if you're willing to do that and give the sacrifice, it gives you the absolute ultimate reward where you get to really do what you love to do and you do it for yourself and you get the reward of having team members that rely on you and, and seeing their families and them prosper because of what you're doing. And it's so rewarding, but it's such a commitment. So you have to kind of decide, and if you're not ready, if you don't know if you're ready to make the commitment, then don't do it. Then go to work and maybe work and do some different things to find out what it is that you may love enough to have that level of commitment. You don't just start a business in my mind to start a business. You start a business because you're really passionate about something that really you want to do and you want to really dedicate all this time and energy and money to. If you have that level of of, 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 of passion about something, then it probably makes sense to take ownership of it, make it a business, and do it. If you're not sure what that thing is yet, there's nothing wrong with working for other people, working in other jobs, and experimenting in life until you figure out that thing that you are passionate about truly is. Thank you. And with that said, we've reached the end of the show. I really like to thank you, Ty, for coming aboard. So, Ty, where can people find you and learn more about your business and just get in contact with you in general? We have a great guide that maps out the exact steps to build business credit at our main website, creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. So that's creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. Uh, they can get a great free guide on building business credit. And once they get that free guide, they'll be getting emails from us and we'll, we'll let them know whenever we go live and get them information about you know building business credit, building, getting financing for their business, growth strategies for their business, all those type of things as well. And what about you personally? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? Yeah, they can Instagram? easily find me. I mean, if you if you Google my name, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere. everywhere. Uh, but I have a website too, which is tycrandall.com, which is T-Y, my last name's Crandall, C-R-A-N-D-A-L-L.com. Uh, but again, if you go to creditsuite.com forward slash E-I-N, you're going to be hearing a lot from me. You're going to get notices when I go live, when new content becomes available. Um, you know, I openly share my experiences and what I'm learning at any given step along the way. So that really is the best way. But, you know, on my website, there's a lot of other free information that people can obtain as well. Ty, it's really been a pleasure having you on the call. I appreciate you spending so much time distilling and dissecting the wisdom of business credit. And I wish you guys much, much success in your future endeavors. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to share and be on with you today. Thank you. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. 
Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.